Kia ora, and welcome to Around the Table. This podcast is a practical conversation where a group of leaders sit around the table and tell stories about how they've seen intergenerational discipleship reinvigorating the church here in Aotearoa. In this episode, we explore how offering welcome and manaakitanga is a key value for developing an intergenerational culture. So a warm welcome everybody. Here we are again in Matheson Bay, not as sunny as our podcast yesterday. And I found myself in the kitchen with different people this time, which is quite refreshing, but also exciting. So I think we're just going to introduce who's on the table before we dive into our conversation about welcoming. Andrew, who are you? Where have you come from? I am with Scripture Union as a children and families consultant in Auckland and intergenerational faith formation has been part of my scripture union journey for 28 years as well as uh, when I was growing up I was part of an intergenerational church community. I'm Julie McKinnon from Hamilton and I work with uh, Christian Community Churches of New Zealand as the Children and Family Ministry Enabler. Awesome, welcome Julie. Um, I'm Caro and I'm the Associate Director of Presbyterian Children and Families Ministries. So good. Where are you from, Karen? Um, I'm from Oberu. Whoa, South Island. Woo! Yay! Why go all those of us from the South yeah. Island? <laughs> Karen, where are you from? You're from the South <laughs> well, Island. Actually, I'm from Tamaki, Tamaki Makoto at the moment, but I was born in Dunedin, so oh, that okay. kind of counts. So I work for the Baptist Churches of New Zealand, and I did used to work in the, the family and children's space, but I'm now working in a broader leadership space with all of our pastoral leadership people. Yeah, it's awesome. And I'm Diana Langdon, and I work for the Anglican Diocese of New Zealand as the National Children and Families Ministry Enabler. So if you heard of Strands, that's what I do and hang out with. And from Wellington. So we've actually got Auckland, Hamilton, Omaru, uh, Wellington. That's a pretty good, that's pretty pretty good, good spread, Diana. Eh? It's pretty good. Well done. So we just thought it would be really great to hang out together and have a conversation about intergenerational communities of faith. So whether it's a church or a missional kind of gathering group. How can we make them a place of welcome for all generations? Thinking about the kind of key values of what an intergenerational community has. And actually welcome is a really important one and we often overlook it. So just thinking from our kind of own personal experience, have there been times when you have been welcomed really well? How do you know if you're being welcomed really well? Andrew, you had a story you were sharing earlier. I love that story. Mm. Well, it happened to me a long time ago when I was nine years old as part of my own church Mm. So we had Sunday school before church, and then we went to church. And on this day, I was asked to take the collection with another person. I can't remember who they were. With a wooden bowl with some felt in the bottom, so when people put coins in, they didn't make a noise. And I was making my way forward uh, down the pews or the chairs, and I tripped and dropped the plate, and the coins just went everywhere on the wooden floor. I was totally embarrassed, down on my hands and knees, trying to pick them up when I noticed this old guy who's probably younger than I am now, but he looked old to me when I remember him. He said, don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll help you pick them up. And so managed to gather them, and then he walked with me down to complete the task to the end. Anyway, that was that done, and I still went home embarrassed. But the following week, when I came to church, um, they asked me again to take the mm. collection, and that has stuck in my mind, well, all the time, because I, I knew I was welcome, even mm. though I'd made a mistake, well, what I thought was a mistake. Mm. I think that raises a really good point, Andrew, that it's not just the welcome at the front door, is it? It's, mm. it's the welcome that goes on throughout the service or yeah. the event or, or the gathering that you're at. Mm. Very much so. 
you know, I think back to the churches I've been involved in in the past. And when I go back to visit, will they remember me? I feel like if I've been welcomed and I'm a part of that community, no matter what time passes, they generally remember me. So I walked into a church in London over the, over the summer, well, New Zealand winter, and there was this older lady, the same welcomer. She was welcoming when I was there 20 years ago. Wow. And she saw me, like, just exclaimed my name, gave me a huge hug. And I thought, gosh, I haven't seen you for absolute years. That's amazing. Yet I feel welcome in the space again yeah. because they knew my name. They missed me, which was yeah, it's, lovely. It's that personal connection too, mm. when someone takes the time to notice you. And mm. I think of one particular instance where... We had a new family and one of our younger people took this young child by the hand and led them out to our children's program because they knew that that child wouldn't know where to go, wouldn't be confident doing that by themselves. Mm. And it's this intentional coming alongside people to make sure that they feel comfortable in that space. Yeah, and when when people arrive at the church door, say, you know, let's do the example of arriving at church, who's doing the welcoming and who do we welcome? So do we welcome the children? Do we only welcome the adults? Mm. It's actually, you know, if we think about an intergenerational kind of mindset, we're welcoming all generations and all generations are welcoming one another. So, yeah. 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 And I mean, imagine if I was a teenager and I turned up to church and there was another teenager mm. on the door welcoming me, you know, that would kind of feel like, oh, right, I probably have some, have a place of belonging yeah. in this place. There's other people like me. Carol, I like the way you use the word intentional because I think in my experience as an adult visiting churches when I'm doing things with Scripture Union, I often arrive unannounced and walk in and sit down and it's the times that someone has intentionally chosen to come over and notice that I'm new and actually Mm. engaged in some small way even if it's just saying hi and welcome but they've chosen to actually do that it's you know they haven't just nervously waved or anything they've actually made an effort and again if we're thinking intergenerationally that kind of role can be done by anybody Mm. it can be a seven-year-old or a 70-year-old it's not age dependent and some of us i mean we can welcome people that we've never met before so it can be quite unknown as to who they are but once you get to know different generations and get to know people actually your welcome changes because you know how they want to be welcomed and you know who they are and perhaps you can get to have a conversation quicker it just reminds me of this one example, which it, it went against everything I'd ever expected in welcoming. So I was part of this intergenerational church plant in Wellington, and we'd been going for, I don't know, maybe a year, and this family emailed to say, we'd love to come along and, and come and see you. But we have two daughters, and one of them has particularly uh, additional needs. And so she'll be feeling really unsettled coming into a new space. Can you please not welcome her? And all of us were like... <laughs> Sure, like this, you know, we were so glad they'd gone in touch. They were kind of paving the way as to how this girl was going to enter the space. And we were like, yep, we sent around the memos, you know, like, don't welcome her, which was, it went against everything we'd ever experienced. And so, you know, the family come in and we're like, okay, so we we could greet the adults and the other daughter. And we had to ignore the other daughter. And it just, it was so weird. But we did that out of love for the girl because that's how she would have felt welcome in the space. Yeah. And so it was actually, if we get to know people, we know how to welcome them really well. And it might be in different, different ways, Mm. which makes me think about beyond the church door. How can we make sure that all generations feel welcome in our church spaces? Are there things that we need to consider in welcoming them? One of the things as a parent, and I know because I, we, my wife and I have got three boys and our middle one, we used to say was like two rolled into one. So he was (laughs) always moving and energetic our other two were a little less but still and so you get stressed as a parent when you're Mm. intergenerational 
context, particularly in church, because there's some expectations. Mm. And so I sort of explored this, and a colleague shared something with me when she was touring the country with me doing some services with churches, and she said, we have what we call alongsiders in church. Okay. People who are, are trained to look out for those parents who are getting stressed. And so she suggested I do this. And at one service, she was busy facilitating from the front. And I noticed a mum who had a, a baby. So she was actually feeding the baby. And she had a three-year-old toddler, a boy. And, and I could see her stress levels going up because her boy was sort of moving further away from her. And then and he was by no means getting up to mischief or anything. Mm. So I quietly went over and I just said to her, would, would it be okay for me just to sit beside, I can't remember his name, but let's call him Matthew, with Matthew and maybe just, you know, help him to focus or whatever. She said, yes. And I could see sort of a relief on her face. I didn't take him away from her. I just sat there next to him. And Beth got us doing something with pipe cleaners. So I did that with him and helped him. And then she invited some people to come up to the front. And so I said to Matthew, would you like to go up to the front with me? And off he went. And we went up to the front. When I came back, the mum just had this stunned look on her face because she just could never have imagined that Matthew would have gone up to the Mm -hmm. end. But the real joyful ending to the story was Matthew in tears at the end of the service after everyone had left when I said goodbye to him. That he'd, in that short time that he'd con- we'd connected so much that he'd actually cried. Wow. He was crying. Oh, and I said it was a joyful moment it was for me. It, yeah. I, I could see the mum. She had felt welcome there yeah. because she knew her child was being cared for and she didn't have to worry about that. So it's just something to think about in terms of if you're a leader of a church, to have one or two people who maybe just look out for those things. That's their role. Give them some training and, yeah. I was just thinking about creating a culture where children are just okay to be children. And I think, again, in my own context, we had a young boy who loved just crawling under the pews and he would pop up wherever. And after a period of time, our congregation really learned that this was how this young child was Mm. and became okay with it. And so they would just, if they had to be the person that he popped up next to, they would just pick them up and sit them on their knee or sit them on the, the seat beside them. Um, it didn't disrupt the flow of the service, but that child felt comfortable in mm. that environment. Mm. And I think it's about, like Andrew was saying, it's removing those barriers that tense parents up or create a sense of unsureness in mm. parents because that will be something that prevents them from coming back otherwise. Yeah, and I think listening to that, you know, thinking about thinking about our environments and our spaces, what do they look like, what do they feel like, do they feel welcoming? Mm. Uh, you know, I can imagine I had someone, you know, tell me, my parents' church, my mum said to me, you know, we, they had us all sitting at tables, and she said I could see there was a new person who'd come in, and everyone sitting around a table staring at each other, she said you could tell this person was being slightly freaked out by, I've got to sit here and look at people I don't know. You know, and they thought they were being friendly by sitting everyone around tables. And so I think we need to think really carefully about how does our environment mm. feel welcoming to people who are new. Yeah, and how how our environment and space welcomes different generations. So an example, I know a church that did a whole big building project to make it more accessible and put in some accessible ramps for some of their disabled community. But actually one of the benefits that we hadn't quite realised were that suddenly young mums and young preschool families felt more welcome because they could just wheel the buggy straight Uh, into the church. And, you know, things like wider aisles when you'd want to accommodate wheelchairs, well, you're accommodating buggies and parents and... And so the space that you have for your gatherings, whether it's in the church or the hall or, you know, your own home, says a lot about who's welcome. 
Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think that that's really good for church leadership to be thinking. You know, like when there's nobody in your building, mm-hmm. stand in the foyer and look around and think about what does this space say to us? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it barren? Is it warm? Is it friendly? Walk into the auditorium. What does it feel like? Go into your, your other spaces, your youth room, and think, does this look like anybody cares about this space or is it a random collection of old couches that nobody cares about? So I really encourage church leaders to be taking a look around your physical space and thinking, who does this building say welcome mm, to? Yeah. yeah. And also, is it well signposted? Is it, yes. can you see where the bathrooms are, where the, the youth room is? I was just thinking what you were saying, Karen. It's good to think about our spaces, but also to look at it through the eyes of a six-year-old and the eyes of a 16-year-old yeah. and the eyes of a, an 80-year-old. And, and what does it say about the space mm. that is welcoming for them? Does it say that they have a place here? Because often we look at it through the eyes of our own selves and go, yes, I'm, I know this place, I feel welcome here. Mm. But if you look at it through the eyes of it, someone in a different age, like is, is there pictures on the wall or is everything in words or, mm. you know, that kind mm. of thing as well. I remember once hearing an older pastor say to me that one of the things he felt was important on welcoming was to actually get down to the eye level of whoever you were talking to. Mm. So if it was a person in a wheelchair you know, get down to a lower level so that you're seeing them eye to eye. Mm. If it was a child, get down to a lower level and say hi, eye to eye. And mm. never forgotten that. I thought that was a great tip for pastors. Yeah, and even when we had all the COVID kind of protocols around, one of the things that we did for Strands, we actually designed a poster that kids could read and see and understand, you yeah, know, and, right. and, you know, to not like cough on the lolly biscuits or something, you know, <laughs> which is in kind of their language. But. And the added benefit of doing something like that is, again, you are intentionally creating something for children, but people whose second language is English, you are creating space for them to be able to understand as well. I think, you know, Matthew 18.5 says, whoever welcomes this one such child in my name welcomes me. But intergenerational isn't just about welcoming children, is it? It's about making all ages welcome. And Jesus did that so well. He, he just yeah. welcomed everybody, no matter what their background, no matter mm. what their age. He just mm. made everyone welcome. And that's just such a great example for us to, to be thinking, how do we welcome all generations into mm. our spaces? Mm. So it's not just a focus on, on making the children welcome, but yeah. we, we want to welcome all ages. Yeah, just thinking, you know, are there other things that we need to take into consideration if we are, you know, leading a, a church that has multiple ages, multiple stages? Are there learning styles or spiritual styles, that, you know, something that David Sinis talks about, that we need to be considerate of and mindful of as we welcome people into a space that may be new to them or maybe maybe different because I mean there are very few spaces in the world we actually gather different generations in one place together but it it just makes me think that Mm. perhaps we welcome people in a way that adults are comfortable with being welcomed Mm. or we welcome people who are similar you know say say when I preach when I do my sermons I preach generally for someone like me who will understand and learn and take in things the way that I will but do I often think about learning styles of, say, a 90-year-old? Mm. Or, you know, when we've done intergenerational sermons and there have been five-year-olds crawling around underneath, it sharpens your game because you try preaching with five-year-old <laughs> twins, you know, crawling at your ankles. Um, you can't go on forever and have a 90-point PowerPoint presentation. So, yeah, just thinking, yeah. are there any styles that we need to be considering? Yeah, I was reminded, just thinking about your point around, uh, you know, we're welcoming whoever is in the room. I remember years ago having the privilege of visiting Andy Stanley's church in Atlanta. And uh, he makes a point whenever he preaches of always acknowledging that there may well be someone in the room who's not a Christian. So Mm. as he preaches, he will say, if you are not a follower of Jesus, here is what I mean. Or Mm. maybe you're not a Christian 
and this is what we talk about when we say this. And, and he constantly acknowledges that his audience is not just a homogenous group. Mm. So not only is he talking about multiple, thinking about ages and stages, he's thinking about are you welcome even though you are not a follower of Jesus. Mm. And that leads me to thinking about even just looking around this room and the diversity within service styles in here and not making the assumption that everyone knows what is going on in a Mm. service. And I think that could be one thing that would really make you feel unwelcomed if you see everybody else knows what the playbook is and you're sitting there going, I have no idea what's going on. So just being conscious of that and going, yeah, it might even be just something as simple as saying, you know, the congregation will read the words in bold. Just not making those assumptions that everybody is on that same page. Yeah, that assumed knowledge, hey? Mm. Yeah. Uh, I liked what you said about your church that put those COVID things for, for kids because that's a, that's a visual mm. thing. And I'm a, I'm a very tactile learner and a visual learner. But if I think of home groups, that you know, if you think of the, the five senses as a good way of thinking about that, if you come into a home and you smell this lovely mm. smell of, of, of a meal being cooked, and mm. if I think of home groups that are intergenerational, you come in and there may be something on the, on the coffee table that somebody might be drawn to, another person might be drawn to the view out the windows, another person might be hear some noise of the dog in the background. Or, and, so, and, and a home group as well doesn't have all the same seats in a room. So again, mm. people then have a little bit of choice. And I wonder if we think about Sundays sometimes more like a home rather than a mm. the sterile church place. Mm. And I like some of the Anglican and Catholic things where they have bells and smells. Colours yeah. change depending on the season. Absolutely yeah. br- brilliant, you mm. know. Um, so there's so many ways that we can, instead of thinking of it as mm. a learning style, think of it as those five senses. And, that and it's often easy for us to think of welcoming say in the church context when when we're on welcoming i'm on welcoming as opposed to it gives kind of the 95 percent of the rest of the room you know free pass to not welcome because <laughs> it's not my week to welcome i'll welcome next week but i'm just wondering in terms of you know the challenge of obviously for church leaders we've got the church context but how can we encourage faith communities to welcome the generations in their own lives in their own spaces in their own homes mm. and because it's not that we're just on welcoming or we have to welcome during the peace or the five minutes on a sunday but actually welcoming people into our own lives is a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, I'm reminded of the story of Mary and Martha when Mary sat and was so fully present to her guest, to Jesus. And often we can be so programmatic and running around doing things for people at church that we actually don't have time to welcome because we can't be fully present. We can't listen. We can't slow ourselves down, which is perhaps the gift of welcoming people into our homes. Yeah, I remember um, many, many years ago when I was, my husband and I were newly married, we had an older couple in our church who invited us around for afternoon tea, and they would have been the age of my grandparents. And when we sat, you know, we had sort of kind of formal afternoon tea, and it was just beautiful. Um, and, and the, you know, the older gentleman eventually took my husband out to the garage and showed him all his woodworking tools while my husband was just in heaven in this, <laughs> in this shed with this, this wonderful elderly man and felt so welcomed. And he said to him, look, any time you want to come around and use any of this, wow. you're welcome. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, being, I suppose, being the woman, I was inside at the time. I was inside <laughs> with Mrs. Hubrick, who had made these wonderful chocolate chippy biscuits. And I said to her, oh, can I have the recipe? Well, this was, I'm talking 
probably 35 years ago, I got that same handwritten recipe out of mm. my recipe book last week. And I remembered her and wow. the welcome that I'd had in that home. And I've got her hand, and I still use Mrs. Hubrick's handwritten recipe for chocolate chippy biscuits. Oh, amazing. Mm. Yeah. So wow, good. that's yeah, that that's that's a wonderful story of caring and just connecting and mm. belonging and, Absolutely. And, and being made welcome. Yeah. It's such authentic welcome too. It wasn't yes. It wasn't because she had to do that. Mm. It was very authentic and, yes. and warm. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think of welcome as something like you said. We do it. We're on it. But it is um, authentic welcome for relationship is is something quite different. Absolutely. Mm. We're going to talk about hospitality in another conversation, but. Often we think, well, people are very busy. We're all busy and important. They don't have time to come and, you know, be in my home or, be, you know, share a meal with us. But we often give people's no for them without actually stepping out and asking. And I think there's that real pressure that sometimes we have to have our homes perfect or we have to have our lives perfect to actually have, you know, someone pop around for a cup of tea. But actually, it can be really real and really easy. It doesn't Absolutely. need to be complicated. No, it doesn't. Um, but that offer of welcome is just extending, you know, actually... I'd like to get to know you better. I'd like to spend time with you and hear your story and you can hear my story. I know in the modern world there is some fear, particularly amongst parents of a stranger or even someone who is in the church that they don't know approaching someone, a child in particular, but mm. it even can work the other way around, um, you know, a teenager going to talk to an, a retired person. Mm. And I think uh, there's, there, certainly are, there certainly is that fear out there, but I think we need to realise that that can be worked around. So if you, mm. if you know, if you're a granny who's maybe got that, you know, the butterscotch <laughs> lolly in your bag, and you just want to give it to a kid, then just talk to the parent first. Mm. Um, and I say to older people, or oh, another way you can connect with young people is if you've got a problem with technology, phone up the the, the parents of the teenager and ask, would you be happy for them to come around mm. and just help me sort my TV out? Um, because that's a, it's a practical way of actually saying, I'm valued, I value you, and and I've heard some some amazing stories of how that just that connection through technology, fixing helping technology, yes. connects mm-hmm. a lifelong um, connection. Absolutely. So. And I have to say, my nana was the old lady with the lollies that would <laughs> yeah. hand them to one particular family um, that would always sit in front of her at church. And the connection yeah. that formed between though between my nana and that young family lasted for fifteen years. Mm. Um, and it was just it's a really special connection and I think especially for for young families you can never have too many older people inputting into the lives of young people Mm -hmm. but at the same time the amount of joy and again thinking about welcoming and belonging it's it's a two-way street it's not just the older person impacting on the young person actually those younger people have the ability to impact on those the older generations as well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, w- I came from a non-Christian home and I became a Christian when I was 10 on a camp and I went back to school after that summer and there was a Christian teacher at the school cause, and we had a Christian scripture union group so I was encouraged by my camp leader to go along to it and Miss Preller was her name and she would stop you in the passage and just say, hey, what did God say to you in your Bible reading this morning? And had one that day and I was very embarrassed. She said, oh, don't worry, you can read it tomorrow. But she would also stop and say, this morning I read this verse and God said this to me. Uh, now, that was a school context and I know mm-hmm. it doesn't work in that context. But imagine in our churches, if mm-hmm. God has said something to us through the message mm-hmm. or through a quiet time we had and we just share it with someone of another generation, just mm-hmm. say, hey, 
I've got this word of encouragement or God said this to me, what are you reading in your Bible at the moment? Because I'd love to hear. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think it should be one of the common things in terms of us being part of a faith community mm-hmm. is God's word and, and God being part of it. So, yeah. yeah, and being open to both uh, share and to receive yes. the word of God through Very other people. So. Yeah. Yeah, and as we kind of wrap it up, that encouragement that actually intergenerational communities are a place of welcome. And so if we're, if we're leading one, if we're a part of one, we're also responsible as a part of that to welcome others. And hopefully we are welcomed in the same way. I love that verse in John 13 that says, Truly I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And I just wonder if we are communities ready to receive the one that is sent from God. Mm. What a blessing. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Great to be here. Yep. So good.